Thank you so much. So, but today I would like to speak a bit about your work with the organization. You have been with the organization for several years now. You were at the Max Planck Institute before uh, in 1998. You were head of the Colombian Industrial Property Office from 1995 to 1998. So you have a long history working in the field of intellectual property. Absolutely. Nadia, many, many thanks for, for, for your invitation today. Very, very happy to be with you. Uh, yes, um, indeed, I've been working on IP for many years with, with different hats. Um, at the beginning, my main role was uh, as a researcher at the university. Um, and then in my own private practice for a while, then I moved to the um, IP office of Colombia and, and then after that experience, I moved to Munich um, and, and did one of those fellowship programs with the Max Planck Institute. Um, and then I'm, I joined WAPO in 1999. So different views of IP, but always working on intellectual property matters. So what has changed in this 20 years you have been with the World Intellectual Property Office? It, it changed dramatically. Um, when, when we start, um, IP was um, a very technical field, but with less policy in, um, implications. Um, IP experts were mainly people expert on the main legal elements of IP. So normally people were expert on patents, expert on, on trademark, industrial design, copyright, but it was mainly the legal approach. And, and, and the, the main elements there was how you get protection. It means the prosecution in front of the office, how you enforce those rights. It means um, all the enforcement actions in, in front of courts and, and some contractual issues in order to explode those rights. Those were, at that time, the main, the main elements uh, for consideration. Progressively, a policy implications in the area of patents, for example, and, 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 and this very key role of patent to promote innovation, um, start to be the real issue. It's, it's not just having a patent system for the um, um, sake of having a patent system. You have a patent system because you want to promote innovation. Um, it's not to have legal features in order to facilitate transfer of technology. You want to facilitate transfer of technology because either you own the technology and you want to explode or you are recipient of that technology and then you get you you would like to get benefit from this somebody else technology um, and all those elements then you you start adding layer of complexity uh, you have an innovation policy because you want to be innovative though how, how industry block the interest there how public policy, uh, interest of governments or civil society society plug the interest there. Um, how is the interaction in between countries um, probably in a north-south approach or in a north-north approach or south-south approach? All those elements make IP uh, policy conversations more and more interesting. And, and, and it is increasingly uh, getting um, more interesting, particularly because of these very complex and, and, and different elements involved in the conversations. 
Yes, let's talk a little bit about South-South cooperation in the area of uh, intellectual property and patents. What are the trends that you are seeing right now? Well, what, what, I, what I see is um, the, the idea that technology is produced in one hemisphere and mainly consuming another is, is, is changing. The, the geography of innovation is changing in, in a speed that is impressive. Uh, when you see the total number of um, uh, patents filed um, um, uh, at the worldwide scale and, and, and the total number of international patent files, more than 1.1 1, 1. Um, million uh, patent applications worldwide. And then when you disaggregate the data by regions, and, and you see that about 50% um, of those patents come from Asia, some of those are uh, certainly a, a, a developing countries, as is the case of China or the Republic of Korea or Singapore and others. And, and then you will see that, that innovation is taking place in, in, in all those regions actively and, and a number of new inventions are coming from there. That, that's fantastic because that, that shows that um, uh, the patent system is promoting innovation in, in different regions of the world. As you so well put, the geography of innovation is something that we are looking forward more now, right? It's not more so centered in the Nordic countries. Uh, in particularly Europe, always in the innovation index every year, Switzerland comes ahead. It's just a matter of that many more, they have incentives within the, their national programs to depose patents, right? Uh, that doesn't signify that these uh, ideas become, come to see the, the light of the day, right? So what do you say in terms of innovation for nations, emerging economies? What are the steps or how they could incentivize that uh, innovation so we can see the geography of innovation be truly global? Yeah, uh, let, let's uh, start with the, with the, let's say, big perspective and then we can go a little bit down. Uh, from the big perspective, one of the, of the uh, in my view, very important starting point is, is to identify what are the policies in place. And, and, and as soon as you identify which are those policies, you start a conversation in between the different actors. Are those policies in line with the priorities of the given jurisdiction, the country, for example? And, and in many occasions, they, it may be that they are. Um, but in, in, in many occasions, is is not that the level of coincidence, and and then certain uh, analysis and, and 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 debate are needed among the different actors to accommodate that policies in a way that makes sense for the development of a country. You you cannot pretend to be an innovative nation if you don't have not only an innovation policy but the right one, one that really encourage innovation, that one that encourage innovators to take risk, that one that encourage um, investors to take the risk uh, to invest in the development of technology. So this whole ecosystem needs to work. Then you can disaggregate different elements of that innovation policy. Is innovation taking place where? Who is leading? innovation in that jurisdiction. And, and, and some of the statistics we have been working on 
reflect something that is very relevant. In high-income countries, 75% of the innovation is mainly financed by private sector. We take the first 2,500 companies, innovative companies worldwide, they're expending more than four, more, more than um, nine, four, nine, 904 billion uh, uh, euros in uh, research and development. So in high-income countries, is mainly private sector effort in about 75%, the one that drive uh, innovation. Um, and, and this is something that needs to be recognized from a policy perspective. If 75% is coming from the private sector, you need in place innovation policies that encourage these people to keep doing what they are doing and to do more for the benefit, not only of the business model of those doing innovation, but also for the benefit of society. In um, uh, medium-income countries and low-income countries, the, the trend is that about 75% of the effort of innovation is, finan is financed by uh, public funds. So is mainly governments and public research center and public universities, the one making the, the, the big efforts in, in, in financing uh, innovation in those um, uh, jurisdictions. Well, in that sense, again, uh, policies in order to be sure that those effort that comes from public funds uh, goes into the right direction to finance uh, properly, pro probably um, areas of research that are priorities for the development of the country is also a key. So knowing where you are in terms of innovation would help to identify how you would like to behave in uh, in the future and make new plans in that direction. A number of developing countries has been fine-tuning the innovation policy during the evolution of innovation in the country in different decades. It, this is not something you can change in, um, in a, a short period of time. It takes years to do that, but you need to start at certain point. So what we do in, in, in WIPO is in, in working with governments in, 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 and, and encouraging governments to consider the different options and be ready to assist when there is request for, for that assistance. And to finish it up, what has changed in the last year? Have you seen an uptick on uh, patents in uh, the areas of healthcare? Um, the health technology related a, a areas uh, have been always a, an area where innovation is quite high. Um, and it's quite high because in that area, um, society push uh, for new needs and companies are, um, and, uh, and universities and, and public research centers, all the actors of the innovation ecosystem in health-related health areas are always um, looking forward to push the boundaries of science. And, and in, that, in, in that regard, many of those developments are very basic research. Then IP plays a minor role there. 
Um, but then many others goes beyond, and 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 then different uh, IP categories start playing a role from the publication of a very relevant scientific paper, uh, which gets protection through copyright, uh, through the development of groundbreaking technologies that when applied in, in different fields, may be the subject of patent um, application, the development of certain medical devices that may be subject of protection through patents um, and, any, uh, and other IP categories, or in many other occasions through industrial designs. So the, the, the model of research and development in the area of health-related technology is one that uh, use the IP system regularly uh, as a mechanism to promote and to encourage innovation. Uh, last year, as you can imagine, and, and, and figures uh, shows a, a very important um, increase in the number of uh, uh, patent applications. And the reason is uh, probably as never before, um, governments and uh, society at large and private sector have been uh, looking forward uh, to contribute in, in, in looking for solutions to the different programs that have arisen. Um, in, in the last year. And in fact, the total number of applications uh, has used increase. And, and that shows first uh, a very important innovation activity taking place and the use of the IP system in general um, as a mechanism to get a protection and, and without any doubt as a mechanism, a mechanism also to facilitate not only protection, but also transfer of technology we have seen um, a number of uh, licensing agreements going in different direction uh, in order to facilitate the use of the technology, not only by the one that developed the technology, but by others that can use that technology to scale up and produce larger quantities. And now three countries that I think of in terms of innovation that have perhaps, how would you de describe them in a few words, India, China, Brazil, how do they use the system, the uh, WIPO system? Well, you, you describe three uh, very innovative countries, three very innovative countries and countries that um, are doing um, in, 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 in the area of health uh, very important contributions. Let's uh, identify now the most, uh, uh, let's say, um, uh, uh, we can identify since the very complex area of uh, use of the patent in the three in the three jurisdiction, but we can go even beyond to 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 to, to different study that shows uh, how healthy uh, the innovation ecosystem in this three jurisdiction. Let me use example, recent example. We used produce <clears throat> uh, one or two months ago, um, early February. Um, report on what on what is called assist check technology. Those are technologies that we use as humans to deal with different um, limitations that can come in the area of mobility, visual, hearing, uh, cognition, and other areas in which technology help humans to deal with a number of, um, of, of, of limitations. And when we produce the report, the, the report um, involves um, one 
150,000 pattern families that were analyzed and where we analyzed those um, immediately one of the elements that appear is the origin of this technology, where these uh, technologies come from. And the three countries you mentioned are there, a, 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 a prominent um, source of uh, work at the university level and at the private sector level. If we take the example of China, um, the report shows uh, that not only in conventional technologies, they play a very important role, but in the new area of the how the conventional technologies um, also include enabling technologies like 3D printing or artificial intelligence, uh, internet of things, and other mechanics that are also used uh, combined with um, conventional technology in order to help humans in, in this uh, interaction uh, um, and, and in the interest of humans to, to, to deal with those uh, as, as I described before, certain limitations of those of mobility. Um, what we identified in the report was immediately that when, when you combine those conventional technology with the enabling technology, the new actors get into their scene. And in the case of China, one very key actor were universities. Uh, universities working with traditional actors, it could be industry, could be independent inventor, to be sure that the new developments of these enabling technologies are incorporated into conventional one and to be able to put those products into the market. This is what the innovation ecosystem is about. And somebody can say, well, what is the impact? Imagine the impact is we have 1 billion people that use different type of assistive technology to deal with different limitations. Uh, so if we are talking about 1, 1 billion people worldwide, uh, the, the potential of uh, innovation in order to alleviate the weight and to facilitate the way these people interact in society, get into the labor market, get into business is of great relevance. And, and in the same report, you see how well placed are universities in India and other actors doing innovation in India and uh, 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 the same um, about Brazil. So these three countries uh, constantly uh, are identified as very important source of innovation um, and they are using the innovation ecosystem uh, to certainly um, uh, work uh, very well. Yes, indeed. And there is also the factor that uh, um, demographics are pushing it, right? By 2050, we'll have 2.3.5 billion people who are going to be above the age of 65. So we are seeing this transformation in the demographic makeup of uh, India and Brazil as well, as many other emerging economies. They are graying, so to speak. So there will be a need uh, and a push. And also because uh, baby boomers, as they say, as they classify, they have a tendency to want also to optimize their performance, right? To optimize their health. So I believe there will be also a push in that sense from civil society from the private sector who will want to capitalize in this opportunity. It is the case. And here, in the example I used before, aging of the population is very relevant. Um, and and uh, because we live longer, we, we need technology, for example, uh, um, to improve our mobility 
or, or, or we need uh, new technologies to use to remind us about which medicine needs to be taken and whether we already took it or not. Um, and, and, and there are certainly a, different developments that will be extremely helpful helpful in in that regard so size of population huge element in pushing for innovation that's in agricultural innovation and food industry related uh, uh, innovation and age aging of population also very very important push uh, for innovation you're right mm -hmm.